Welcome to the Wheatfish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz. This program is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. I would like to thank Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. St. Croix, the best rods on earth in Iowa. They've got your bass covered. My first guest this week will be Dan Johnson. We're talking about ice fishing safety and the items that you should have with you. Early ice, late ice, anytime, have these items with you, listen to this. And then welcoming back Bob Allen, children's author, talking about the five books that he has out for kids about fishing in the outdoors and the sixth one that's gonna come out next summer. And then my last guest this uh, program is Spence Petros, 50 years plus in the outdoor industry, writer, editor, guide, teacher, seminar speaker, he's done it all. Listen to what Spence has to say about what you need to do to be in the outdoor industry. It's changed a lot. But first, I would like to remind everybody that this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And I'd also like to welcome back Dan Johnston. How you doing, Dan? Doing great, Dave. That's awesome. You know, we've been hitting a little bit on the ice fishing, uh, pre-scouting and getting stuff ready. But you know what we haven't done yet, and we always do at this time of year, is, is what to bring when you do the first ice fishing trip for safety. And it's an important topic, isn't it? Yo, well, it's the most important topic. It segues right into open water. I know you and I have done, you know, boat safety uh, things too, because there's really nothing more important than that. We can catch them great, but if something catastrophic happens, obviously that trumps everything we talk about. So, and it's also greater than what we bring physically. Some of it's a mindset, understanding how things work, and I'll kind of get into some of that, you know, specifically in ice. Obviously, you know, the downside is early and late ice are usually the best fishing, but they're also the most risky on ice quality. And you can get, you know, 10 inches of ice late season that can be honeycombed to be bad ice. And to the contrary, you can get three inches of ice in early season that's great ice that's safe. So understanding ice quality is important. And there's a lot of research you can do on that. You know, you can tell by smacking at it with a spud or or you can tell by uh, the color of it the clarity of it the you know um what the nights have been like are you around current and all those things and another thing i want to bring up specific to things you don't physically bring is the, the the trajectory of the travel of the sun in the fall and the winters through the southern sky so a lot of times when i'm looking for early ice spots i'm looking for those coves or shorelines that are facing south because they get the most shade in the day and it's beyond the shadow of a doubt and i prove it every year i can be fishing in eight inches of ice and go to a north exposed cove and it'll be two yep so that that matters too and then you know but then specific to things we bring i always bring about 50 foot of rope really good rope that i use for my tree stand uh, safety line it's good stuff it pull a truck out if it had to and i like to go with somebody early season um uh, having good cleats on the bottom of your boots is imperative for me because sometimes early ice we don't have any snow on it and it can be like walking on a skating rink especially when you pop some holes and get water over the top of it and things like that there's a i carry these little spikes um that go around my neck with a rope and they hook together if i were unfortunately to fall through there are little spikes i can stick into the ice to pull my body weight with and things like that i always have with me 
Yeah, yeah, you gotta gotta have those things, and I liked uh, what you said earlier. Have a spud, you can check that ice, you can uh, check it as you go. You know, don't be in a hurry to get out there, especially the first time you go. And and your your idea of uh, the sun too. You know, you get on the first ice one day and it's cloudy, and the next day it's not. You better check it. Don't say, "Oh, I was out there yesterday and it's good," because that sun can make that much of a difference. Well, and the travel and the horizon is what I'm talking about more. You know, you, you watch the path of the sun this time of year, and it's shading all of those coves that bleed into the south, that yep. go back into southern exposures, and you have better ice back in there. I mean, there's no question about it when you compare them to north exposed coves. You know, the contrary to that, we always talk about north exposed coves being so great in the spring for fishing early. It's the exact reason, just in a converse explanation, because yeah. they're warming faster, right? Yep. They're getting more sun. And Dave, one other thing I wanted to bring up that's, that's important, too, and this is something I've always done in my bass boat since day one, and unfortunately, I've had to use it. And I also do it in my ice fishing kit that I carry out. It's a case that uh, by Striker that carries everything I need other than my flasher in, in one case. And it's a first aid kit. Yep. And I always have band-aids in there. I have an antibiotic and ointment. I mean, I've stuck myself with, <laughs> unfortunately, especially working with cold hands, so many times with hooks and jigs that, you know, if it starts bleeding on you, if you get a, I tell you another one that's really bad is a, a fish, a gill plate on a fish. If that slices you open, there's a product out there I want to tell people, and it's one of my, like my little tip of the day. It's called liquid bandage, and look it up. It's unbelievable. What it is, it's a little brush. It's a liquid. You squeeze the blood out of it, suck on it, whatever you have to do, and then put an antibiotic on it. Clean it out as good as you can. And then you brush this liquid over it, and it dries just enough and it's got an antiseptic in it. It's got all the good stuff of it medically, but it's pliable and waterproof and it doesn't come off. You can't see it. You can't feel it. It's ridiculous. I've been using it for years and uh, it's really good stuff. It's a little tiny bottle that'll last you years. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good tip. I also be careful when you're taking fish off that you don't get those uh, those top fins in you because they can, they, they can be tiny and they can really hurt and they can... Uh, uh, I think we've all had them where later on you got something that's bothering you and it, it, it's, it gets infected quickly and a little piece of that, that top of the fin that you broke off in there um, is in there. And, and I, I think everybody has had that. And, uh, and another thing, we had a, um, this is open water also, but it still applies to safety. The, um, a guy uh, on one of the tournaments was fizzing a fish and he stuck the needle in his thumb, and he ended up having to have surgery later because of it, it got infected at, at the bone level, and it was not good. So all these things that we're telling them, the, the listeners of the podcast, really pay attention to it because it is so important. Well, we've been through it. <laughs> That's a, a, lot, a lot of times we've been the, you know, the punching bag on the way through going through these things. And, and a lot of infections, fortunately, my dad's a doctor. It's been that he was retired now. But, you know, it, a, a, a lot of infection is what you do immediately mm -hmm. to the cut. Yeah. And if you let it sit for a couple of days or whatever, that's when you run into a problem. Or if you have that stuff with you, you can treat it right there on the spot. And then one other thing I'd mention it's not a bad idea is always just let somebody know where you're going. You know, you, you don't have to give them the spot or whatever, but like, for example, I'll reach out to my buddy and I'll say, Hey, I'm going on the reservoir and I'm going to be doing the bluffs and they know which ones I hit, but it just throws it out there to somebody. Cause you just never know, you know, the four wheeler could break down way out there or, 
or whatever. You know, it's the same thing if you're walking way into the woods. It's it's you know these are cut copy paste strategies for hunting and fishing. It's just it's just a good idea. You know, just to be thorough, think worst case scenario sometimes, and plan for worst case scenario. And it's never happened to me. Um, but I, I don't think it hurts to just be planful about the rope, the spikes, the cleats, understanding quality of ice, travel of the sun for different ice thicknesses. Definitely avoid springs. If you know of any area on a lake that has a natural spring, really watch those. My home lake, we've had four or five people go through with four wheelers in the same spot in the last couple of decades. And there's a spring out there. Um, so just the, the knowledge is power, you know, and I think the safety topic, it, you know, it's probably boring to a lot of people because they want to hear us talk about fishing and strategies and all that. But there's nothing more important. And I genuinely mean that um, than this. Uh, and if we were doing hunting podcasts, it'd be the same thing on tree stand set setting safety. You yeah. just can't go there, you no. know, so good topic yeah uh, that it's always better to be safe and and uh like you said springs or current areas you know there's a fast current there all the time it's been zero maybe but that may not have it will not have as much ice as other places have the other thing i wanted to mention about safety and this applies anytime on the ice cover back up the ice auger do not leave those blades exposed more people get hurt by falling on those blades the other thing is it'll keep those blades good and sharp they won't get dinged and you'll be more successful with that well and people don't understand how slippery ice gets when you get water on top of it they have no idea till you've actually been out and seen it and been there and what i mean by that is you drill your hole right and obviously those of us that have done it a lot you the last drill when you're pulling the auger out you go down and then up fast to flush all the shavings out so you don't have to sit there and skim for five minutes Uh, and it works great the problem is you get water out and around that ice and if you don't have snow on it it's ridiculously slippery and if you don't have cleats on your boots and sometimes even if you do and you just step like on the toe of your boot and miss a cleat you'll go down and i i've fallen down multiple times on ice and i've seen people go down hard and a lot of times it's that scenario it's either a little bit of rain we've had on ice or it's fishing in busy areas where people are you know skimming or throwing water on the top of ice it's a i kind of relate it to vaseline on a fish it doesn't (laughs) get much slipperier than that and that's the way this gets through so be aware of that Oh, absolutely. No, always good tips from you, Dan. And I uh, uh, thank you for that and definitely look forward to talking to you next week. Hey, Dave. Thanks so much. Oh, no problem. That was Dan Johnson. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. And this segment is always brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. We will be right back after these messages. For over 75 years here at St. Croix, we believe every angler deserves the best fishing experience possible in being equipped and prepared for the moment opportunity strikes. You can only provide control if you are in control. Our legacy is being written every day with decisions today determining our successes tomorrow. We value contributions and successes of all individuals, protecting and preserving the things that matter most, taking care of people like family, the persistent pursuit of perfection, St. Croix. Daiwa, MagForce Z, similar in design to our SV system. Reels with MagForce Z excel when it comes to casting control while fishing bigger, heavier baits. Our standard reels have a fixed rotor on the spool, meaning the braking pressure is consistent across the entirety of the cast. 
MacForce Z incorporates a spool that has a dynamic rotor that can adjust out and back from the spool. This gives you maximum control and casting precision. Daiwa. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit keepamericafishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. My next guest has been on several times before. He has a passion for the outdoors, but he has a passion to write children's books about fishing. Welcome back, Bob Allen. Good morning. Good morning. So, Children's author, you got five books now. Uh, for those of the listeners that haven't heard you, why don't, why don't you go through and uh, tell us about the books you have out? Sure. My original book, which was the most, it's the most popular. It's in the six printing. It's Walter the Wily Walleye. He's wily, which means he's kind of sneaky. You got to learn where he hides and what he wants to eat before you can catch him. Then I followed it up with a flying to the boonies. A little boy and girl go with a dad and grandpa on a flying trip to Canada. They cook s'mores. They do a shore lunch. They see moose and bears. And the little girl catches the fish in that story. Then I followed up because we did so well with the Wiley Walleye book. It won some awards. I hired the, the same illustrator to do a Walter Under the Ice. And that's the ice fishing version of that. And then I followed that up with Monica the Muskie. And uh, Monica's got a little edge to her. It originally was going to be Mike, but my wife said, no, you got to have a female name in there because the female muskie is a little larger and, and a little meaner. So I went along with what my wife suggested. There you go. And then I followed it up with the, the last book was um, The Battle of the Bass, which is uh, Larry and Lily Largemouth versus Sam and Sarah Smallmouth. Who's bigger, stronger, faster? Who jumps higher? Who's cuter? And the child gets to choose whether they like a largemouth or a smallmouth. I kind of, I dedicated that book to Ray Scott, who's done so much for, for bass fishing, and uh, got it endorsed by Al Linder, who's in the Bass Hall of Fame, and Jay Shakura, who's on the Elite Bass Series, a, a young guy from Stevens Point, Wisconsin. So those are my five books, and people have said, well, what's the next one? I said, well, I'm not sure. But I said, well, what would you like it to be? And as I go out to different shows, they said, well, you got to write one on panfish, because... That's the most popular thing with kids. The kids caught their first panfish and, and got addicted to fishing after that. So I've got one in the works called the Panfish Party, which will feature perch, crappie, and uh, bluegills, and hopefully we'll have that out by midsummer next year. Excellent, excellent. And I think we all started with the, uh, panfish with, a, with bluegills or, uh, you know, because they're easy to catch and you can teach somebody easy enough, and they always seem to be hungry, don't they? Absolutely. And, and they're, it's so much fun for kids just to catch anything. And like you say, it's easy to catch. You can catch them from a boat. You can catch them from shore, from a dock and anything. It just get out there and have fun, have the adventure and the experience of getting out there with family and friends and having fun. Yep, absolutely. Um, uh, people want to get get your books. Let's We can give this again at the end here. But what what's the easiest way for them uh, to find out about the uh, you know, how to receive your books, how to buy them for their kids or grandkids, or, or if you're a teacher, maybe you want to get them for, a, for a, a class or a preschool. 
the easiest way is just go to Bob Allen Books. Uh, it's online, and uh, I've got a special going now through the end of the year, special price and free shipping, uh, so kids can so they can get books for for gifts for the holidays coming up. They can also go online to Amazon or wherever they get books. I'm in you know, prominent bookstores. Uh, you can order through Barnes Noble. Wherever books are available, you can order my book. But the easiest way, just go online, boballenbooks.com, and, and go from there. I've uh, got a couple of shows coming up. One, Escaba, Michigan, November 3rd through the 5th, which is a, a ice fishing show and hunting show. And then Oshkosh has a big ice fishing expo December 8th through 11th. So I've got a couple of shows yet this year. And uh, this summer was been just fantastic. A great response to my books. Went up and did the Muskie Festival in, in Hayward and ended up, the Hall of Fame up there, ended up putting my Muskie book in their gift store, and that's been going well up there. Added a few uh, new accounts up in northern Wisconsin and Door County this year. So the books continue to be popular with the, with the little ones. And I couldn't be happier and looking forward to the next one with the panfish. Yeah, no, that's excellent. I, I think they're good. I, I remember uh, my granddaughter when we got the uh, Walter the Wiley Walleye, I believe we were, I was at a sports show in uh, in the Chicago market and my wife found it and she goes, hey, I got something for, for our granddaughter, Nora, and that was good. And then we have another granddaughter, so that's been read to her and I think we've got the... Uh, I think uh, we've got a couple of the other ones, the camping one going to Canada. And, and I mean, it's just, it, it, they're good reads for the kids. It keeps their interest in the outdoors or fishing. And whether they've started to fish or not, I think it's a good introduction to it. Yeah, and I just want to get the kids out and, and active. And whether they uh, go fishing, camping, boating, whatever, I just want to get the kids young, get interested in getting outdoors and in, enjoying the environment and and, and get them off the, the computers and iPhones and stuff and get them outside and enjoy life. Yeah, and they say that uh, if you don't uh, start fishing before you're 18, you're probably not going to do it. But under 10 is the age that you're, you're I think the, the rate that they'll continue to do it if they start under 10 is almost, I think it's close to 80%, which is a big number. I, I think uh, get, get your kids out there, get them... Uh, in the wild, get them outside, and like you said, off the devices. Uh, what and it's uh, it's a good thing. I mean, it, being aware of your surroundings and being aware of what is out there in nature, you know, whether it's fishing or hunting or bird watching, it's all good. And um, I think your books uh, kind of uh, allude to all of that because of of we need habitat for all the critters to to live. And if you uh, don't want to go online, you want to see me in person, come on out after the first year. I'll be at the Chicago Land Fishing and Travel and Outdoor Show in Schaumburg, and I'm also doing the show in Tinley Park. And I kick off the show uh, in January out with the Ultimate Fishing Show in Detroit, and I'm also going to be at Grand Rapids. So I'm looking forward to those shows to get the season started, to get people thinking about spring and fishing. And... Uh, it can't come soon enough. Excellent. BobAllenBooks.com. Is your schedule of where you're at also available there? I always put it online, yeah. Okay. Well, that that's excellent. Uh, BobAllenBooks.com. You can find out Bob's schedule or where he's going to be. If you want to see him in person, I'm sure he'll sign those books for your kids or your grandkids. Or you can order them there. Um, 
always appreciate an update. Looking forward to that panfish book, hopefully uh, next summer. And uh, appreciate your time as always, Bob. You have a great day, and we'll see you down the road. Sounds good. That was Bob Allen, children's author, BobAllenBooks.com. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel. For those with a passion for the outdoors, the We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Calcutta Outdoors, from bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products, from fishing rods, combos, and tackle to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories. Calcutta Outdoors. Daiwa. Our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with. Whether it's casting lightweight baits, skipping, pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a bait casting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate Backlashes, Daiwa. St. Croix, crafting the best rods on earth takes a team effort. Takes a lot of hands to produce a St. Croix fishing rod, 32 to be exact. Every rod we manufacture is carefully crafted, assembled, and tested by passionate professionals who want to ensure you have the best fishing experience possible. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this program is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. My next guest has been in the industry for over 50 years. He knows everybody in the industry. He has probably taught everybody in the industry. I'd like to welcome to the program Spence Petros. How you doing, Spence? Pretty good. How are you doing this morning? I am doing good, and... and I, I say you have taught most of these people because how many of the current day industry leaders, guides, people who are doing social media have taken your classes in the past? A lot of them. Yeah, dozens and dozens of them. I, had, I think I've had four Hall of Famers in my class, plus so many guys or guides or you know, in, reps are in the business, you know, one way or the other, just been many, many of them. So it's been good. It's been good. It's been fun. And yeah, we've known each other for over 40 years. I remember the first time uh, uh, I actually met you in the 70s. I think you and Carl were coming off Lake Geneva. I was going out and you say you missed it. You should have been here already. Instead of getting out here at 430, you should be going home. And you guys had some nice smallies. And I think you had a nice pike because back then, if we caught them, we took them home and we ate them. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot different than it is now. Now you're throwing back 50-inch muskies and not even batting an eye. So yep, it's it's it, it's it's a different game. And then uh, uh, did you did you think you'd end up where you did in the industry? I mean, when you first got into it, did uh, you know? Did you have uh, aspirations or any goals, or did you you just were doing it as a job? Well, I was just happy to be making a living in the fishing industry. But then other things developed. You know, I've never been lazy, and I've always had two or three or four different, you know, incomes coming in. So, you know, whether it was classes or doing seminars anywhere from uh, Nevada to New York or, you know, being in the rep business for 11 years with my partner. as a, I was a sort of a silent partner. Mm-hmm. 
a little bit of a conflict of interest where certain products would get me- mentioned in my magazine, maybe a little more than they should have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's what it is. It, it is but what it's it been, is. It's been good. So no. many, you know, television shows I've done, so many of the, the old, old timers, I know almost all of them fish with them, did TV shows with, uh, you know, Roland and uh, Jimmy Houston, Bill Dance, Linders are real good friends. Babe's probably my best friend in the industry. And, so Booker, of course, and Jimmy Sarek, and uh, so many of them. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of them out there, and they're all in the industry and, and doing their thing. And um, I, I remember reading, uh, when you were editor of Fishing Facts, I remember you know wearing the covers off those magazines when I would get them. And, uh, you know, did... Um, did you ever have a hard time getting material? I mean, were there times in a year that you you really had to work to get a story? Well, it's, it's it's quality. You know, you had some guys that you got something, it meant something. You get from something from Booker, you know, it was good. Or you get some, you know, one of the big names. But then once in a while, you get one of these outdoor writers that just blah 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 blah. blah you know, and I I pretty much didn't handle those people. I sort of rejected them. And Carl Carl worked with those guys more so. Because uh, their stuff was easy to edit, <laughs> and they, you know, I think they might have said a little something, but it wasn't never any groundbreaking stuff. You know, there's some silly stuff. One guy, oh, he likes four pound tusk for northern pike because it slides through their teeth and they can't cut it. You know, I said, give me a break. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, it was good. It was it was fun. You know, a lot of the guys couldn't write. I mean, I wasn't a, a great writer, but I was like the best of a bunch of worst ones <laughs> when I got the job, the best of the worst. There you go. Or one of the best of the worst. So what, what I is the, learned on the job and I've never been a Hemingway, but I, I, I'm a good teacher. I can put things down in A, B, C so people can understand them. But, uh, that's that's my gift. Yeah, I, I think so. The teaching teaching between the classes, the writing, and you could teach people, and they could actually go out and do it because they could understand what you were saying. And um, and it is a gift. It, it there is no doubt. It is a gift. It, what's the biggest thing that has changed in the fishing world and from the beginning till now? What what is the most crazy thing that you never thought would have come about? Well, this this uh, imaging is um, you know. Not side imaging. Oh, the forward facing. All the electronics yeah. that you got nowadays. Yeah. I remember when the graphs come out, they were paper, and you had to keep putting rolls of paper in there, and that was like a real big deal. Now it's, you know, it's it's almost too easy now. It's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm old school, as you know, just probably like you are for the most part. And, uh, you know, I think people should work a little more at it. But you got, you got so many kids now, just college kids, high school kids that are, just really good fishermen, you know. And back then, when we started, you know, I I knew just about every good fisherman. I mean, really good fishermen in every part of the country, whether it was Al Novotny in Ohio, whether it was uh, Rich Zaleski in New Jersey, or you know, whoever the case may be. You know, we sort of all knew each other, and I'd, I'd get them to write for the magazine or be in contact with them. So, but now there's just hundreds and hundreds of people that know what they're doing. So, do, do you think you know, that's fish all the t- if you fished all the tournaments and you were halfway decent, you would make the Bassmaster Classic. Yeah. In the beginning, so. And that's not the case anymore. You got to work hard to get to jump levels. And uh, do you, do you think uh, these these kids are better younger because of social media and all the information is out there? Oh, no question about it. Yeah, they're they have so much stuff given to them between uh, the t- 
you know, the teaching, the looking up this and the electronics and, yeah, there's just so much available to them now. And you get some young guy that's you know, got some smarts to him and no problem, or a young girl, doesn't matter, you know. It's right, just, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a lot different now. It's a lot, it's a lot easier to catch fish. That's why the catch and release is so important now, uh, or else you'd be wiping out, you know, populations. I mean, I'm in Geneva, and, you know, I'm catching bass that have holes in their mouth um, a lot of times. Yeah. I'm sure you have that happen, too. Yeah. So... Yeah, you don't get many clean ones, and, and if they weren't being put back and taken all the time. Um, that being said, I think the fishing's still pretty good, probably because of catch and release, but the fishing around the, the country is still pretty darn good. There's a lot of good populations of fish. Oh, yeah, I think it's as good now as it ever has been. Um, you know, I mean, just, you know how it is. You go out on uh, Geneva or Delvin, and if you catch 20 bass, you didn't have a good trip. You know, you usually get 30, 40, 50, 60. Or yeah. More sometime. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, yeah and, you know, in the old days, you, you didn't do that. Well, one reason is you weren't as good a fisherman as you are now. And but the other thing is the catch and release, you know, and the knowledge and, and that kind of stuff. So it's fun. It's something I enjoy doing. It's just as you get older, it gets a little tougher to do. But yeah. And you're still doing a little bit of guiding uh, with your select clients. Yeah, I have most of most of my people are people from my classes in the beginning. Yeah. You know, and they just come out, and it's been a learning. You get some guys, you might catch five bass there one, and then two years later, it's five to three. And then another year or two later, they may catch six, you might catch five, which is ideal, which I love. You know, they, they catch a couple more than I do, you know, and that's, that's the best thing possible. Unless they try to start busting my stones, or I come more than you did. Well, they know better to do that because the boat positioning will change. And, uh, <laughs> they, they, <laughs> you, you put the heat on them. Goes. But uh, it's it's good. I love to see people getting better and better and better. And when I guide, I'm teaching and guiding. I'm watching their, their mechanics. I'm, I'm telling them, you know, your rod, keep it a little lower and put it to the side more. You can see the line switch better or keep it lower or, or, or do whatever, you know. Let it sink. Make sure it hits the bottom. Don't be so excited you're bringing it in three feet off the bottom. So, you know, I'm, I'm constantly trying to teach them, educate them as we're going along. And it's good. I love to see people get better and better and better. And, uh, you know, I had some really fun trips last year. I had an ex-baseball player from the Cubs. I think it was Sean Marshall, I think his name is a pitcher. I had him and his two sons and his little five-year-old son. And he was a little killer. Yeah. He caught a bass. He's bringing it in. I said, here, you want to hold it? Here's how to hold it. He looked at me. I know how to hold them. You know, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you love seeing something like that. We caught 60 bass. Yeah. Me and him and the two boys. That was probably my most enjoyable bass trip of the spring seeing those kids catching like that and and uh, it was fun you know geneva yep so, nothing wrong nothing wrong with any of that and i think when people hire a guide they should realize that they're pretty much getting a one-on-one -on -one seminar for the amount of the guide trip whether that's six hours eight hours whatever it is you're being taught and it's a good thing spence i got to take a quick break for some uh sponsors here and we'll be right back and uh, talk uh, to spence petro okay. some more all right be right back with you I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. This segment is brought to you by the proud industry members and the American Sport Fishing Association. We'll be right back. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. 
Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry docked for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com slash overboard. For over 75 years here at St. Croix, we believe every angler deserves the best fishing experience possible in being equipped and prepared for the moment opportunity strikes. You can only provide control if you are in control. Our legacy is being written every day with decisions today determining our successes tomorrow. We value contributions and successes of all individuals, protecting and preserving the things that matter most, taking care of people like family, the persistent pursuit of perfection, St. Croix. Daiwa, MAGFORCE-Z, similar in design to our SV system. Reels with MAGFORCE-Z excel when it comes to casting control while fishing bigger, heavier baits. Our standard reels have a fixed rotor on the spool, meaning the braking pressure is consistent across the entirety of the cast. MAGFORCE-Z incorporates a spool that has a dynamic rotor that can adjust out and back from the spool. This gives you maximum control and casting precision. Daiwa. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and we are back with more Spence Petros. Welcome back, Spence. How you doing? Yeah, doing good. You were, you were, we were talking about guide trips and and uh, how much fun it is for the guide. And I think I think people don't realize uh, what we get out of taking people out and educating them and teaching them. If you're really not interested in teaching them, you're not going to end up being a good guide, are you? Right. Well, there's some guys you're just paying for them to go fishing. They sit in the front of the boat and, you know, trip as many fish as they can. And, you know, that's, that's not the way to do it. I mean, just, you know, I know some guys that would, if you were dying and you wanted to one fish and it was one fish in there, they would catch it. So, <laughs> you know, that's not the way to do it. Nope, nope, not. That's good. Nope, not the way to do it at all. Are you still doing any writing? Are, are you doing some yet? No, no, it's, the writing has really dried up a lot. That's one of the reasons I started guiding is, you know, you got to, get a hold of an editor and then they want 10 ideas and they want a paragraph on each and they want this and they want that and they end up giving you two assignments and well heck you know i can get a i get a a waiting list for guiding and can make probably make as much money on a day guiding as i do writing an article so what would i rather do you know kiss somebody's butt to get an assignment or just go fishing so you know the writing thing unless something really really good came up some special kind of deal or like that but you now for the most part I'm, I'm pretty much done with the writing yeah yeah um, time on the water you can't be beat can it i mean if somebody yeah. wants to really get into the fishing and and get into the industry or just become a much better fisherman you can't be going out and spending time on the water right well a lot of guys i know they'll they want to go to wisconsin river they hire a guy for one day in wisconsin river they want to go to green bay they hire a guy there they want to go here and a lot of times if you want to go to an area hire the best guide available that you i mean that you could find and go out with them for a day and that's it you just don't you know swallow your pride a little bit because they can teach you so much and then you know you, you know a lot it's a good head start on any given body of water that you intend to, to fish and i know a couple of guys that do that and it worked out well for them you know and you should do that yeah, yeah. 
It, it makes sense. I've told people that in my retail establishment over the years. You're going somewhere for two weeks or a week or 10 days. Get a guide in the beginning of the week. He's going to show you spots and maybe he'll tell you about other spots that will become better if the conditions change. That's what guides do. That's why they catch fish. They know where they're going to go before they get there under certain winds or rain or clouds or sunny. And, and it's, it's worth the dollars to spend if you're going there for a week or two. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it, it, it's all uh, it's all uh, a lot of fun being in this industry. Um, any advice to anybody who's uh, younger that wants to get in this industry? What what would be some some words of wisdom from from you being in it for you know over five decades? Well, if you want to get in the industry, the first thing is you should be a good guy. You know, you gotta don't lie. Don't you know? If, if somebody asks you something, you don't want to tell them. Just say, "Yeah, no, I I can't say." But don't don't lie. Try to establish a good reputation. And a lot of times starting to write for some of these little local newspapers, you know, just to get your name out there and get some exposure and, you know, start going like that. Try to make a name for yourself by being being right, you know, and then just uh, just go from there. And if the cards, if you, you know, the tournament thing, I mean, that's good. But unless you're really, really good at it, you're not going to make a big name on tournament fishing. But it's a good way to learn stuff and get your feet and put, put in the door and, you know, meet some sponsors and do this and do that. But you got to realize that every one of these big sponsors gets pounded by all these would-be tournament pros, you know. And so so much of the stuff they sell, like, hey, you can get my pro set, we'll give you 20% off. You know, it's not yeah. a big deal. That's how they sell a lot of stuff is just do some would-be's, you know, little discounts in it. But just like you say, you work hard. It's like anything else. To succeed, you got to work at it and get a break now, every now and then. is isn't a bad thing either. And, you know, context help a lot and uh, you know just hard work and expose and you know if I was to start off right now I'd have a lot harder time because I'm not really good with the computer and all the self-promotion stuff you know when I started I did you know other people would promote you right uh, they'd write a newspaper article by you you do this or you get your own magazine with articles and you know it wasn't a lot of self-promoting pounding yourself on the back and putting your picture everywhere on you know that kind of stuff it was it was different, you know. A lot of it was a good old boy system a lot there, where you knew the owners of the companies, the people that started the companies. And that, you know, thirty years later, and you got some, uh, you know, some college girl running the thing, looking at how many impressions you give and how many, you know, that kind of stuff instead of who you are, what you're doing. So it's it's different. But like I say, you know, anything can be done. It just gets a little harder, and you got to be more in tune with the. Uh, the social media kind of stuff now that seemed to be a big deal. Yeah, so, but absolutely, you got got to got to know that social media stuff. Do you think the sports shows, the, the heyday of the sports shows was? decades ago i think because and i think part of that's because of social media they don't have to go absolutely. to a, a absolutely. show yeah we used to have the sports shows we used to do the rosebot they'd have pictures of all of us you know 10 foot high pictures yep. in the aisles you do a seminar and there'd be four or five hundred people at the seminar and they'd have you know half a dozen big name fishermen there at a time and now you go there and you get you know, 25 people in and, and 30 chairs in a corner somewhere and it's a, a good turnout. And, and it definitely is the, uh, the you know, social and media, the kind of stuff for, for the most part. You know, that definitely has hurt it. Yeah, no so, doubt it, it uh, is. Uh, and it's, you know, and things where the free parking is now 15 bucks and it's, it's, just, it's just a different ball game now. 
Yep, a lot of things have changed, and uh, but uh, the the fun of fishing hasn't changed. It, I every time I set the hook, I'm excited, and you it, it hasn't changed for you. You've been doing it longer than me, but it's same for you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. When you set it, and you feel a little weight on you. Oh, this feels like a good one. You know, and you get all kinds of things going through uh, your head. And, you know, it's uh, it's good. You know, particularly the musky stuff. You know, I uh, I fished Geneva for muskies, and it's been a, it's been a little tough lately because my right arm is bad. And I can't cast for a long time, so I'm doing more trolling. And the, the trolling bite isn't really just happening because I most of the fish I've caught I've only caught a couple of trolling, but most of them have been by casting. And you know, you, you, the figure eight is real important, and you got to really have a hot fish to catch some trolling. But by casting, you can entice a lot of those followers by doing a good figure eights or throwing back some rubber at them or things like that. So, but yeah. this is this is a time. Lately, well, they got the big tournament this Saturday, and you know, last year I fished a tournament, and I got one. We ended up in second place. Me and my uh, partner, Doctor Cusis, and two days after that, I got a thirty pounder and lost a fifty incher about an hour and a half before that. And I think that was October 24th. So from here on in, you know, I'm going to start uh, fishing Geneva. And, you know, in the summertime, it's so hard. All that boat traffic and clear water, it's, it's the worst thing there is. A hard fish lake with clear water and a lot of boat traffic. You get uh, pretty much a night bite and suspended fish. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you go out there three, four times and you don't see anything. Of course, most of it is trolling and you're not going to see anything. But uh, I know through the years, but it's it's... 10 minutes from my house, so ah, what am I going to do? Am I going to sit around the house watch TV? Or I give it a shot. Luckily, I got a good neighbor across the street that is retired, and he helps me out a lot. That's uh, Dave Sorensen, and he's a good fisherman and good guy, so it's a lot of help with, uh, you know, p- putting the boat back up on the trailer. The launching is okay, but lining it up, getting it in, and jumping over the side, walking in the railings of this trailer and hooking it up, you know, I... 83 in December, if I make it that far, you know, it's a, a little help is really appreciated. So, you know, that's what I got. And I, I'll keep going. I'll keep going as long as I can. Well, I have uh, appreciated the stories over the years and appreciated the advice over the years. And uh, you truly have helped a lot of people in this industry. And uh, uh, I appreciate it and uh, enjoyed listening to you today. And I appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on, Spence. Well, anytime I can help you, Dave, you know that. I appreciate your friendship all the years. So you've oh, been, right back at you. Too. No, I, we've been. Uh, I feel like we've been friends since 1981, from the first time that we really met. Uh, you came into my my tackle store. You were taking, I believe, a granddaughter to the Algonquin Dam to fish for carp, and I was like, "Why well, you kidding me? I thought you were going for walleye somewhere." Oh, Todd, that was my daughter's. Oh, your daughter. Okay. Yeah, I didn't have granddaughters in 81. No, daughter, that's right, daughter, yeah. 30 years ago. <laughs> 30 years ago, no, but daughter, but it was like, boy, fishing facts writer, editor, taking, going carp fishing. I, I, I absolutely love that. I remember it like it like it happened yesterday, and it was, you know, over 40 years ago, but. Uh, yeah, we, we caught some. It was fun. Because just when you're kids, you know, just reeling them in and feeling something, tugging at your line. Excellent. That's, that's what it was all about. Thanks, Spence. Thanks for giving us an update on 50 years. I, I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully we're on another five or ten. There you go. So Sounds you good. Will, you will be. <laughs> we'll talk to you again, my friend. All right. Take care, buddy. Yeah. Bye-bye. That was Spence Petros. I am Dave Kranz. And this episode of the We Fish ASA podcast is always sponsored by the proud industry members in American Sport Fishing Association. 
I would like to thank Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And Daiwa, they've got your bass covered. Thanks again to Dan Johnson talking about ice fishing safety tips. Excellent as always, Dan. Bob Allen, children's author, giving us an update on the books he has and a new one that's going to be coming out. And you just heard from Spence Petros, 50 years in the outdoor industry. Thank you, Spence. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to bringing you the We Fish ASA podcast again next week. Until then, take someone fishing to help grow our sport. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit keepamericafishing.org and pledge to pitch it.